0: Hola, bienvenidos a Spanish with Carrie podcast. In this podcast, you'll learn more than the language itself. You'll learn efficient and effective ways to practice so that you can reach your unique goals with Spanish. All this coming to you from somebody who became bilingual while not living in a Spanish-speaking country. Spanish is one of my passions and teaching is my calling. And I look forward to learning with you. Let's get into it. Se baila así. Se goza más. Se baila así. Se goza más. Se baila así. ritmo de Puerto Rico. Se goza más. Es el que me gusta más. Se baila así. de aquí para allá. Se goza más. ¡Buenas! Hoy es domingo 20 de septiembre de 2020. Son las 8 y 47 de la noche la fecha y la hora de cuando fue grabado este episodio del podcast. Okay, I did all that on purpose because in part two today we're going to be looking at the verb ser and talking about date and time are two specific occasions where you need to use the verb ser. In case you're not hip to it already, ser is one of two ways to say to be in Spanish. So we'll look at ser today, we're going to take a look at estar for next week's episode. When I'm taking on new students, I always start with a 30-minute consultation. It helps us to get on the same page for me to figure out what sort of experience they're coming in with and to develop a plan for the lessons moving forward based on what their goals are. So I had a consultation this week with a man who had spent some time working in South America or working with South American countries and never really picked up Spanish too well, was very interested in learning. And we chatted quite a bit, but at one point it came up that you know, he's, he's frustrated with himself as he sees so many Latinos here who have had to put themselves through the process of learning English and he feels like he can't even meet them halfway, at least be able to make an effort to try to get some sort of communication out in those situations with them. What that made me think of was the many moments I've had when I've seen that the person in front of me is maybe not 100% comfortable in English, and so I switched to Spanish. And I told him about what that's like. The moment you have somebody who's a Spanish speaker in front of you, and you see that maybe they're being a little hesitant or can tell they're just not totally comfortable, and you switch to Spanish, they light up. And suddenly you see a whole different side of that person. And what I told this man, And what all language learners will experience is that you don't feel like yourself in the language that you're learning. You can't maintain your sense of humor. You can't express yourself intelligently or as creatively as you'd like to, as clearly as you'd like to because of lack of vocabulary. You're so freaking slow and you feel dumb. It's like the person that you are is trapped behind a wall of doubts of trying to conjugate and structure things and meanwhile you just stand there with nothing coming out and, and unable to move forward in a normal interaction like you would in your own language. That's what the language learning process is like. So when you have the ability to give a person space to speak in their own language, you get to see them for who they really are. They have the freedom to express themselves like they'd like to, the comfortability of being themselves, of using the words with the confidence of knowing exactly what it is that they're conveying when they say that. None of that insecurity of, am I saying this wrong? Am I the miscommunications? It's just them. Ladies, it's like taking your bra off, it's so freeing. <laughs> And I know that from spending lots of time in Spanish-speaking countries that the moment where I can just switch back into English is like, oh, thank God, sweet, sweet freedom. So that moment of allowing a person's space to just be themselves in an interaction is worth every second of your practice of your time, of the hard work you've put into learning vocabulary, to practice speaking so that in that moment, you can have that connection. And I'll tell you, that person is so grateful for your effort. And they understand. They've had to go through it too. You know, I'm really grateful to have a job that I wake up thinking about, that I'm excited to try to improve all the time and better my own process as a teacher and better the experience for my students. And that happened today as I was laying down trying to do a meditation, that I thought about this video that I had seen from a man named Steve Kaufman, and I believe I've mentioned him already on this podcast, but he knows 20 languages. Maybe he's not able to speak for hours in each one of those 20 languages, but he's proficient enough. And there's a video where he shares seven tips for language learning. And the number one is spend the time. He says something that I love in this video, which is that the brain learns. The brain will always learn. The brain can do nothing else but learn. The brain is wired to learn. It will always learn. And I think about, you know, last summer I was working in a coffee shop, which is actually where a lot of these interactions happen. where I was able to switch into Spanish with a customer that I could tell would be more comfortable having the interaction in Spanish. It was a beautiful moment. And plus my coworkers thought I was badass, so there's that. The first Two weeks or so of that job, I was so drained every day because there was so much to learn about the machine and all the drinks and just everything was new. I thought I'd never get to the point where I didn't have to constantly look at what the recipe was to make whatever drink it was. But of course I did. Within a month's time or so, the job became so autopilot that a lot of times I wasn't even aware of what it was I was doing. The brain always learns. The brain is wired to pick up patterns and to learn this information. When you're in a new place, you don't know your way around. You have to use Google Maps everywhere you go, but eventually you learn the roads. You learn the patterns of how to get to the places where you need to get to. The brain will always learn, but it learns slowly, and you have to spend the time in the language. If I could go back to Carrie three years ago, I was so frustrated by a lack of understanding and a lack of ability to express myself, I would tell her, you will get it in time, just relax, relax. And as far as the time that's spent in the language, it's not only your study sessions, it's consistency over time. If you're frustrated because of what feels like a lack of progress, use your frustration for fuel to keep going and to keep polishing the way you study so that it becomes something that's enjoyable, rewarding, so that you stay consistent. The only thing that matters is that you don't quit. I am T minus 11 days away from moving to Puerto Rico, which is something I decided I would do two years ago, and I had no idea how it would happen. But I didn't give up, and therefore it happened. Three years ago, I decided I was going to be bilingual. And I never gave up. And it happened. Let go of needing to know exactly how or when you're going to reach the goal that you've set for yourself. There is a miracle that lies in the process of doing a little bit every day and holding on to and believing in what you have in your heart. All right, let's get into part two. Cause I am whatever you say I am if I was say I am the I am One part hippie and two parts hip hoppy I don't know, it's just the way I am And in part two we're going to be talking about the way we are Using the verb ser Ser is one of two ways to say to be in Spanish And I tell my students to generally think of ser as more permanent qualities A really good example of this is if you say that Roberto es aburrido then you're saying that Robert is a boring person. If you say instead that Roberto está aburrido, if you use the verb estar instead of ser, then you're just saying that he's bored. It's a temporary state. Besides that overarching understanding, there are certain situations that require the use of one or the other and these need to be your trump cards for understanding when to use one or the other. I have people who say, but but my location isn't a permanent thing, so should I use SER? No. Location is used with a star. We'll look at that next time. So when is it that you always need to use SER? Well, there's a handy little acronym to help you remember, and it's DOCTOR, and I will put that in the episode notes. The D stands for date. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, date is always used with SER. Hoy es 20 de septiembre, 2020. We use S It is September 20th. The O stands for occupation. When you're referring to your or somebody else's profession, you always use ser. Soy profesora. Soy tutora de español. Soy maestra de yoga y baile. I wear many hats. Ella es enfermera, would be she's a nurse. So what will it sound like if somebody asks you, what do you do for work? If you're practicing with native speakers and you should be if you're serious about progressing, then they're going to ask this question just as we would in English when you're meeting somebody. Oh, so what do you do for work? What do you do? In Spanish, there's usually two ways you're going to hear this. One, it'll sound like, en que trabajas? En que trabajas? That's what do you do for work? Literally, it's like, in what do you work? The other option is, a que te dedicas? A que te dedicas? What do you dedicate yourself to? (laughs) Both of these are ways of asking, what do you do for work? To which you will respond, soy, and your profession. Remember, it's hard to make blanket statements because Spanish changes a lot country to country, but these are pretty standard ways to ask, what do you do for work? The C in doctor stands for characteristic, and that's what we're gonna be spending most of our time on in part two today. So characteristic would be describing the qualities of a person. Instead of asking, como estas, how are you? If you ask, como eres, you're asking, what are you like? as How are you as a person? We'll come back to that one. The T in doctor stands for time. Always when telling the time, you'll use either es or son. The only time you use es when telling the time is when it's one o'clock because that is a singular number. Es la una y cuarenta y cinco. It's 145, for example. For all other times, you'll use son because all other numbers are plural. So son las nueve veinticuatro. It's 924. The second O in doctor stands for origin. Saying where you're from is always going to use ser. So soy de Maryland. Ella es de Colombia. Nosotros somos de Chile. Tú eres de Cuba. The formula for saying where somebody is from is using the verb, either soy, if you're talking about yourself, eres, for tú, es, whether you're talking about él, ella, or usted, somos, if you're talking about nosotros, and son, if you're talking about ellos, ellas, or ustedes. And after the verb, you're going to put de, I, or you, or he, or she, or we, or they, are from. And lastly, put in the place that they're from. Tú eres de Cuba. The R in doctor stands for relation. So when you're talking about this is my sister, he's my co-worker, they are cousins, that's all going to use ser as well. Esta es mi hermana, is this is my sister. Él es mi compañero de trabajo, he's my co-worker ellos son primos, they are cousins. Talking about someone's relation to yourself or others uses ser. So what I wanna do today is use the fact that ser is required for describing your characteristics or somebody else's characteristics to help us build very useful vocabulary. As I talked about in part one, you don't feel like yourself in the language that you're learning. And so it helps you to be able to have the type of vocabulary that you would really want to use when talking about people in your life. What you might typically learn when you start to dive into adjectives in Spanish are things like tall and short, brunette, blonde, right? alto, bajo, rubio, castaño. But rarely when I'm talking to other people about friends or family members am I describing their height. And hair color, I'm not like, ah, my sister's dirty blonde. She's medium height. you know. No, I want to talk about how my sister is as a person. My sister is a very happy person, definitely Susie Homemaker type. We are very different in that aspect. But I reap the benefits of her amazing baking. These are the type of things that I want to say. Not so much focusing on her height and hair color. So what I do when I work with my students on SER is Encourage them to think about how is it they want to describe their closest friends, their family members, or themselves. I realize from talking with students and perhaps it's a perspective thing, it's definitely a perspective thing, but I tend to talk very positively about the people in my life because I love the people in my life. I have great people surrounding me and I talk positively about myself. So that's the kind of vocab that I'm going to use and I encourage you as a general happiness type of mindset to maybe think about how you're speaking about yourself and other people in your life and what kind of adjectives you're needing to, to use if it's that, you know, uh, they're super negative and they're bringing me down and I can't really spend time with this person, then maybe you should do some other evaluating of the situation outside of this podcast. However, with the idea of being able to feel a little bit more like yourself, how is it that you talk about yourself? How would you describe yourself? How would you describe people close to you? I encourage you to take some time to write out a couple sentences or, and then practice them out loud of being able to describe you. We all like to talk about ourselves, right? Or talk about the significant people in your life, role models for you. In the first episode, I talked about my Spanish teacher from high school. How would I want to be able to describe her to people? Because she played such a big role in why it is that I'm doing what I am doing now. The conversation comes up when you're talking to Spanish speakers about why did you learn Spanish? And so I want to be able to talk about the people along the way that really influenced me. How is it that I want to describe her so that I feel like I'm doing her justice for the role that she had in my life? All of those qualities will be using ser. Ella era, and I'm using era because I'm talking in the past tense of so describing somebody you're going to use era. Ella era tremenda profesora. Súper divertida, graciosa, apasionada. Ella hacía que sus estudiantes se enamoraran del español. Because I've gone through this experience, I know what it's like to not have the words that you really want to use. So I encourage you to use this activity as a really valuable way to practice both the verb ser, your understanding of it, and building vocabulary that helps you feel a little bit more authentic in the language. As always, stay in touch. If you enjoyed the episode, please share the episode. You can take a screenshot of it, share it on Instagram or Facebook. Please tag me so that I can see that you're talking about me because that makes me happy. (laughs) Find me on Instagram at Carrie B -B K-E-R-R-Y-B-E underscore. Same thing on TikTok. You can find me on Facebook at Spanish with Carrie. Any questions, requests? As always, please feel free to reach out. That's all I got for today. Thanks for listening.